do 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 Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. Um, Zen Parenting Radio is a podcast between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. Right, sweetie? It, it is indeed. And our motto is the best predictor of a child's well-being is what? Parent self-understanding. Dang right. Um, on the show, uh, I still don't know how to pronounce the word smorgasbord. Okay. But we have a smorgasbord of uh, stuff. You're saying that on purpose. I honestly don't. Say it again. I, but I don't want to know how to say it. Say it again. Smorgasbord. Shmo- <laughs> you don't. It's not schwa. It's smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. Go from S to M. And you know, I'm not making fun of you because you know there's plenty of words I can't say. But with that one, you're putting way too much emphasis on the schwa. So it's schma. Smorgasbord. There's no schma. I don't think it's smorgasbord. We're going to talk about why mothers and teenage daughters fight. I'm going to give you an inspirational story, sweetie, that you don't yet know about. Mm. We're going to talk a little bit about um, a conversation you used to have with our 12-year-old. Sweetie, I don't think you realize how good of a parent you are. Oh, that's nice. And I'm going to give an example of of what you just said to our 12-year-old that if I said, oh, you remember what you said to JC? I have no idea. You don't have a freaking clue. Okay. Um. This is going to be a good show simply because I'm in a good mood. Good. Are right. you usually in a bad mood? No, but sometimes I'm in a medium mood. Okay. And I'm in a good mood this time. Great. Uh, because we're getting the heck out of here and we're going to go enjoy each other's company without kids. We are, and I am excited, and I, I'm so glad we're doing it. But i got to be honest, I, it feels a little pressure cookery to me. What do you mean? Because Wade, what the heck you talking about? What, what this I'm, is my deal here. What I'm talking about is that JC doesn't like to babysit at night. Oh, and please. I said that we were going to go earlier, and now it's later. And so I'm going to go, but I'm going to probably be a little clockish. Oh, boy. Do you know what clockish means? No. (laughs) Glockamole. Clockish means that I'll be noticing the clock. So, in other words, we have to cut this show short for um, the betterment of our marriage and our family. Okay. All right? Sound good? Not short, but just maybe two minutes short. Um, So, and there's a bunch of other stuff I want to bring in that I'm probably not going to get to. Okay. All right? And Kickstarter. We still have a few people to thank. Oh, my God. We got a lot of stuff. First, I want to talk about our first partner, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts us twice a month. And if you live anywhere in the Chicagoland area, you must go to our website, chirotree.com. And her number is 630-941-8733. She's great with moms, dads, and parents, or our children. Moms and dads are parents. Are. Speaking of parents, you want to know something? This is another tidbit I got for you. What, well, honey? And I just deleted it because I was a... Do you know that the last, the fourth Sunday of every July, do you know what we celebrate? What? Parents' Day. The fourth Sunday of every what? Every July. Parents' Day. I've never heard of that. Neither have I. Hallmark holiday, Ron Swanson. No. Bill Clinton signed this into a congressional resolution into law for recognizing, uplifting, and supporting the role of parents in the rearing of children. Really? Big bad Bill. I love Bill. Neither you nor I knew about it, so I don't think they're doing a good job of marketing it. Hmm. Um, I don't think we need a parent's day. What do you think? Well, it's a parent's day, and what happens? Apparently nothing, because we've been parents for 12 years. I guess we have to tell the kids, kids, just want you to know, it's Parents' Day, fourth Sunday of July, so make sure you get something good for us. And you know what the whole, the cliche thing is, is whenever there's like a Mother's Day, Father's Day, people always tell me stories where the kids will say, when's my day? And the parents say, 
every day is your kid's day. day. Yeah. I remember saying that to my mom, and she said that exact same did thing. Did she really? She did. It's kind of the... She said, uh, every day is kid's day, and that's true. That's right. So anyways, make get your plans ready for the big parents' day celebration coming up on the fourth Sunday got, of July. I got some plans. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about Dr. Kelly. That's good. Let's get into the guts of this uh, podcast. We just read an article that our good friend John Duffy shared. He didn't write it, but he shared it. And the name of it is Why Mothers and Teenage Daughters Fight. Okay? It's in the Wall Street Journal. I'll put put it up on the show notes. Okay. You all right with that? Yes. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. Mother sometimes identifies much more closely with a daughter than a son, both physically and emotionally. And the mom usually wants to protect her daughter from making the same mistakes she's made. She wants to give her daughter opportunities she never had. Do you buy into that? I do, but you're talking really fast. It's because I want to go on that date. (laughs) Yes. So here's the thing. I think that – can I do a preface before we jump into this? Please. Preface away, sweetie. Is that – I don't. I don't want to like rip apart this this uh, article because the article is written fine and yeah. everything in it is can be truthful. But the thing I want to say before Todd brings these things up is I think that um, a lot of what we try and talk about on this show and what the definition of being self aware is and everything is seeing yourself before you run into these situations right. that you're going to describe right. in this article. That a lot of people read this article and go, oh, yeah, that's totally me. I do that and I do that. And that's good. Mm-hmm. That's why the article's out there so right. you can identify. And that's why we're talking about it. But I also feel like there are things in in here that if you were self-aware about how you were feeling, why you were feeling that way, and what your true intention was in your parenting, which is to allow your child to find themselves, evolve, and become their own person, mm-hmm. then a lot of these things would not happen. Correct. Can I I just want to say that. Yeah. And, and the end of the article actually ends well because the mother does have some self-awareness Excellent. breakthroughs. See, you know what? It, this is good because I did not read the last two paragraphs because yeah. you and I started discussing the middle. So yeah. go ahead and throw some things out. So, um, so the daughter is obviously trying to separate from her mom and mm-hmm. sees protection that she's providing as controlling and she may view her mom, mom's attempted guidance as criticism or disapproval. And let me just say real quick that you just read, um, the daughter is trying to separate and let's just start there and say, that's normal. Yep. That when a child gets to be in sometimes pre-adolescent, but more likely in teenage years, the, um, the, or not more likely it's, it's, it can be either or, but they, they, their whole intention is to start to separate from you because they have to. Right. What I mean is that they can't they have to go find their own and they have to feel that there's a reason to go find their own. Right. A lot of times for them, it's a lot easier yep. to be angry with you because then separation comes easier than it is to be melancholy or, you know, kind of sad about it because that's, as we all it's know, It's their own self-preservation. Exactly. They know that they need to break away. And the best vehicle to breaking away is to get upset anger. and anger mm-hmm. versus, so, but we, I hope, I mean, I know, of course, our children are going to get angry towards us. There's no doubt about it, right? Right. But I just hope we don't have to go through some of the things that, that, that we're discussing in this article. Well, and let me say this. When I say they need to use anger, I don't mean get ready. Your kids are always going to be angry at you. You don't have to have that kind of relationship with them. Right. But when they come at you with anger, right. 
a lot of times as moms or dads, we participate in that anger and Mm -hmm. we throw anger back and we say, why are you so angry? And why are you such an angry person? And why are you so mean? And when did you change? Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of pieces that we need to be aware of. I notice in my oldest daughter already that her emotional fluctuations are stronger, but I don't participate in it, meaning that I either don't take offense to it. You're about to answer the million dollar question. Like, how do you not engage when your daughter has these emotional roller coasters? I'm watching as a observer rather than as a participant. Okay. And that has a lot. And I'm not saying I do all the time. There are times that I'm got a short fuse or whatever, a little little more deflated. And maybe of course I get, but when you're on your game, you can see it very clearly. We have like two or three things this morning where, and it really had nothing to do with me personally, but it was just the, the quickness to frustration or the immediate annoyance. And because I understand. Was she a little grumpy when uh, I got picked up from the airport today? I could tell her energy was low. She, we, the girls and I had a big, deep talk on the way to get you about something that they were trying to resolve. And I was trying to help them process through both sides, not by telling them, but about by saying, okay, tell me your side. Mm -hmm. Then, um, so what do you think about what she just said? Do you understand why she said that? Do you understand how both of you are right and both of you have to see how the other one is right too. So we were, it was really deep and, and those conversations take a lot of energy and that, but what I'm trying to show her is why not use your energy for that Mm -hmm. rather than the anger spiral? Because what can happen, which I think you're going to talk about happens in this article. And it's not just my daughter, but there, a lot of people and boys too, this is not just girls, is they will jump quick to the I'm right, you're wrong, I can't believe you did that, or something gets resolved and they'll dig it back up. Right. You know, adults do this Rehash. too. Rehash. Adults do this too. Oh, yeah. Um, and what I'm trying to point out is why not use, because anger to me is the simple response. Mm-hmm. It's the un, the unexcavated the response. Yeah, got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the surfacey. It's the surfacey response. It's simple. Yeah. A deeper response is, is I'm angry. Why am I so angry? And I'm angry and maybe I respond angrily and I notice that and maybe that's not the way I want to go. And and again, these are all mental processes. And those are all hard to do. Think about that. Usually when you're angry, you don't even know you're angry because you're too busy being angry. You're attached to your anger. So step one is just to realize, oh my gosh, I am angry right now. Step two is... Why? And I think those are steps that most of us usually don't take. And those are the 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 worthwhile conversations because as I always say to you guys, I try to practice in my own life is let's go to the core of it and quit talking about the surface of it. Meaning when one of my daughters is angry, instead of her talking about, and I'll just make up a scenario, she took this from me or she borrowed this without asking, or um, you know, she always does this, she never does this, those kind of things. I'm like, wait a second. What's going on Mm -hmm. with the whole borrowing thing? Why are you so angry about this jacket? Tell me what it is about the jacket. Well, it's not the jacket. Well, then tell me what it is. Well, she always borrows stuff. Does she really always? No, but she did. And it's when I wanted it and she wasn't listening. Do you know what I mean? I do. It's like you just kind of got to dig into it. Mm -hmm. And not because I want to be the resolver. I want her to resolve it. And I am facilitating the process yes. of that resolution. You're the facilitator. Exactly. So I'm just asking the question. Yeah, you're not a participant. You no. are a facilitator. And I'm not sitting there saying, why'd you do that to her? Oh, I can't believe you said that. I'm not. Or how about this? You know better than that. Ugh. No, because if they knew better than that, they wouldn't do it. 
if you know better, you do better, as right. my Angela would say. So Michelle is the mom. And, in this story. In this story. Mm-hmm. And Kelly is the daughter. And they've always been close. When Kelly was in junior high, the two would take road trips together. Many Friday nights, mother and daughter stopped by their favorite candy store to stock up on Sour Patch Kids and chocolate, then went home and got in their pajamas, ordered pizza, and watched Project Runway. All sounds good, right? Yeah, it sounds fun. But if Kelly wanted to hang out with her friends, she asked her mom for permission well in advance. That changed when she entered high school. Dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. High school, sweetie. High school. She and her friends often made plans at the last minute, sometimes while she and her mom were together. And her mom says Kelly would call on her cell phone and announce that she was heading out. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Is this normal behavior? Absolutely. So do I. But not mom. Mom objected and would say, I thought we are going to a movie. And she would reply, well... I haven't seen Joanne in a while, so I'm going. So this is all very normal. And this is an educated woman who's probably, maybe she's having a bad day, but she's a psychologist in San Francisco. And the mom is? Yes. Says the 35, the 53-year-old psychologist in San Francisco. And she would reply, well, I haven't seen Joanne in a while. So um, anyways, so the mom would feel angry and put upon. Because if I'm going to say it in my own words, the daughter, when they were younger, mm-hmm. or when the daughter was younger and they were in junior, junior high, mom and daughter would kind of have a girl's night yep. and they'd spend all this time together and mom liked it. Yep. And daughter became more of a peer mm-hmm. or a companion. And then as daughter was getting older and her life was evolving and changing and friends were making plans last minute, which is very normal. Mm-hmm. I remember in high school, sometimes you wouldn't even know till seven o'clock what you were going to do. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, Sometimes um, you go out and you wouldn't know you where wouldn't you're going to end up. You wouldn't know where you're up. going. You meet at this place and then you go where the night takes you. And that's part of it, yeah. you know? And the mom would feel as if her daughter was blowing her off. Right. Which I'm not I'm not saying that the mom can't have any feelings about it. I'm right. not saying that the mom can be, is going to be But you have like to have an expectation. This is typical teenage behavior. And your daughter is not your peer. Right. Your daughter is your daughter. And that doesn't mean you don't have a real and authentic and you know, great relationship together. But while she's in that phase of growing up, this is where, Todd, this is interesting. Okay. Because this is where, you know, we always talk about treat your child like any other person and treat them with respect and honor them, but they're not your friend. Right. This is the difference. Yeah. Is that you can have real conversations with your kid and not play a role and be really authentic, but you can't, your child is not your Playmate. Right. Well, sweetie, mom would snap at her daughter saying she wished that Kelly would let her know plans in advance so she could make her own. Uh, so mom was feeling put out because mom... It sounds like these are two girlfriends. Right. You know? Instead of a mother-daughter. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with saying to your daughter that we had... Like, the example I gave when you, you read some of these to me upstairs is, is if one of our girls, if I had plans with one of the girls because maybe we had family in town or a big event or someone's birthday and there was big plans, and then my daughter came home and said, sorry, I'm going out with my friends, I'd be like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. This is a big event. Yeah. This is something as a family that we're doing. But if it was just some random, we're going to watch a movie tonight, we hang out together, and she developed. Yeah, there's so many there's subtle so many differences subtle between differences. a story. But she, you know... On the weekends and weekdays, we're seeing this with our own kids. They they start to want to be with their peers. I think the moral of the story is be prepared to get blown off <laughs> by your kids, right? And I mean, unless it's a big deal, unless it's like, hey, we're going to go golfing on Tuesday afternoon and we plan for it. To your point, it depends what it is. But if it's a low-key thing, your kids are going to blow you off a lot. And and the thing is... is Not like the kid from 16 Candles, sweetie. 
I want to be with you guys. I want to be with you guys. He didn't want to go to the high school dance. He didn't want to go. <laughs> um, it, it's let's look at it the other way. Your children have a life. And you have a life. Yeah. And sometimes your lives overlap and you do things together and as a family and maybe you have date nights and, but they can't be your social life. Mm -hmm. And that, that even though there's a balance in there, sometimes they are and sometimes that we can't be so dependent on them that when they say they're going to go hang out with their friends, exactly. we get jealous. Exactly. Because maybe we have the feeling of jealousy or envy, but we have to be self-aware enough to know that that's not our place and that when we start snapping at them because we feel lonely, that's not their fault. Right. And I think that's the that's why I preface this this article with we don't even have to go down this road mm -hmm. if we have an awareness of what we want for our kids yes. and what kind of relationship we want. Right. I'm with you. Uh, but it says social media plays a part because these days, sweetie, moms feel they need to monitor their daughter even more closely now. Okay. I don't know if I'm buying that. Well, you know, something I found now that, now that our oldest is more indoor phone and texting and stuff... First of all, there hasn't needed to be much monitoring just because she's, I see, she's just around and her phone, you know, her phone's like around yeah. all the time. There's, there's not a lot to be hidden and she's not on social networking yet. But the other piece is like, for example, we just set up her iTunes thing. That's she's what never my story one. was going to be. Oh. No, that's fine. Go oh, ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I said to her something about songs yeah. and I said, actually, you don't need to worry about it because the song ends up coming to our account. You right. know what I mean? Like, well, explicit lyrics. Explicit lyrics. And what lyrics. you said is, you know, don't download any dirty songs. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> yeah. And then you like followed up like, but you know what? You know, I, I trust you. You have good taste in music. You know what's right or yeah. something like yeah. that. And that's like the expectation thing. It's, um, I want to do a whole show about this topic at some point, not today, but you and I get frustrated. Of course, we're parents. But most of the time, whenever there is a challenge, we have a conversation with our kids. Mm -hmm. We don't ground them. We don't put them in timeouts. Mm -hmm. We don't shame them. We simply have a conversation. And the question is, and I don't know if now is the best time, that works for us because we've been doing that all along. Mm -hmm. If somebody who's used to shaming and grounding and putting them in timeouts tries to have discussions with them, it might blow up in their face. Well, right? Well, instead of saying it'll blow up in their face, it will take time. Take a lot of time. Because it you what you're doing is you're setting you're a new precedent. Yeah, right. you're making a seismic shift. You're you're so it's and, not like you're using a tactic that needs to work immediately. What you're doing is you're sh you're shifting the relationship, which right. in turn means and and again, I visually I'm seeing this and I hope I can relay this to everybody who's listening. Please understand that if you if you don't trust your kids and you hold on to things really tightly and you control them and you micromanage them, then that naturally is going to cause them to burst in some way, meaning they're going to have to rebel mm -hmm. to because they can't breathe in that. So then we'll take the rebellion and we'll say, see, that's why I need to control my kid. And because, then they'll control more. And they'll control it more. Yeah. Whereas if you were not holding them so tight the rebellion may not be as necessary or as volatile. That's what I'm hoping for us. Yes. And and the thing is, is what you just said about we don't ground them, we don't do this. My kids make 
like uh, something happened a couple months ago where one of my daughters was making a choice where I had to pull back on something and say, I've been trusting you to do this and you're not following through. Therefore, we have to do this differently. And now this is the consequences. Mm -hmm. You have to come to me every time you do this. And again, I'm I'm not getting specifics because this is between she and I, but it's not as if we don't. The consequences are just very natural. Mm -hmm. It's not as if we say, hey, let's just talk about it. Okay, go back. There's a, wow, you're not following through. So here's how we're going to shift to make sure that we can. Does this make sense to you why we're doing this? And to your point, somebody who would want to criticize us would say, you're too passive, you're too permissive and all that. And that's not it. Like to your point, your example is that was more than a discussion that was necessary. You kind of reframed certain things. Yeah, I reframed it. And I, she also lost some of her autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I don't want to be responsible for these choices. I don't want this. So, but what you're showing me you're is not that ready. I have to be because you're not ready. So we're going to do this for a while until you're ready. Yeah. And she was so... There was no anger at me. There was no arguing. There was no fight. It was internal for her. Mm. She was just internally bummed. Yeah. And she did a good – and then when she was coming to me and telling me, okay, I'm going to go do this now, I would say thank you for telling me. I'm glad we're on the same page again. And 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 then it naturally – Dissipated. Dissipated. Yeah, because it she, wasn't a big like on this day you're going to get this privilege no, back. It just kind of floated like away. It's like a motor – that we re... I don't know if a motor does this motion, sweetie. <laughs> She's doing it. like a clockwise arm motion. I'm doing... I'm like a... It's like a pencil sharpener. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you're... That's, and that's not a good analogy. I have a hard time saying what I see in my head. Do I know. you notice that? I know. And you're good with words too. Well, yeah, but they're like... It's visual and energetic. And, and by so, the way, I don't see any of that. I know. And that's like when I'm like a tight a balloon, like I can see it and I can feel it, but it's hard to translate. And and the thing is, is is it it what I'm what what my hope is with my kids or with anybody, with you, with my friends, is that there's like a on, there's it's all about the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not I I'm not afraid of who you are. I'm not afraid of who you'll become. I just want to make sure that we stay connected and that I I'm here to keep you safe in the ways that I can. Right. But controlling you does not keep you safe because that actually puts you in a downward spiral. Right. That puts you into a place where you don't know who you are, you don't feel like you have choices, and you feel um you feel as if you have no control over your own life. And mm-hmm. I'm repeating the words. I read something today that I thought was kind of interesting, uh, a post about someone reading their daughter's, uh, their son's texts or reading their social networking. And I thought this was a good differentiation is that she said to her son, cause he was mad that she was checking his social networking. And he said, I want privacy. And she said, when you put something on social networking, that is not a private thing. Right. You have put something out into the world. That's true. If you're writing your journal. And that's what she said. She said, if you want a diary, you got I will it. never look at it. Yeah. That is yours. That is your private place yeah. to put your thoughts. Interesting. But when you post something on Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitter or on whatever you know you do these days, it isn't private. Therefore, I am going to see it. Mm-hmm. And I make a point to see it because it isn't private. Mm-hmm. If, what about a text? 
Well, and to a friend. I think, again, we've talked about this with the phone. We did a show a long time ago about um, the phone agreement yeah. that we made with our daughter mm-hmm. and our, our next daughter uh, will be getting a phone in a year. And it'll be right. the same kind of agreement. Maybe it'll evolve a little bit depending on what we learned. But the, the phone truly is our phone. Yeah. And we that, own it. And we own it. We pay for it. She's not putting any allowance toward it or anything right now. So it is our phone. And I don't say that to her in a controlling way. I say that to her in just a very matter-of-fact way. I want you to understand that when you use this phone, you're using something that actually belongs to us. At nighttime, you plug the phone in downstairs. If I feel that there is a challenge or that you're challenged by something, um, then checking your phone is something that I have to do. But I can tell you guys, my daughter's had a phone for a year and I haven't done that. But that doesn't mean I haven't seen her phone. It's 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 downstairs all the time. Sweetie, are you talking about uh, episode number 180? ZenParentingRadio.com 180. Kids and cell phones striking a balance. If you're interested, look that up. Yeah. So anyway. So let me finish this article because there's not much and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, Girls, blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so here's some solutions to how to navigate your way through these types of challenging times with your teenage daughter. One, reframe the ar- argument. Uh, in a typical quarrel, the mother may tell her daughter not to see a certain boy. The girl will feel criticized and become defensive, and the quarrel will escalate. Um, they got some psychologists in this article. Mrs. Braitman suggests the mother to ask the daughter how she feels instead of, instead of telling her what to do. Now, you and I are like, of course, of course. but not everybody <laughs> does that. A lot of people just say, don't see that boy. And that doesn't really help that much. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, It can talk about patterns of fighting. If an argument is escalating, moms should, should, I can't talk today, moms should suggest putting the discussion aside and coming back when emotions are less heated. Sure. It's a good tool. Mm -hmm. Moms should compliment their daughter's successes. This is a big one. Okay. What you focus on grows, such as telling a child that was great that she came home when she said she would. It takes five compliments to counterbalance every criticism. You believe that? Uh, well, I mean, those kind of statistics. It's not a whatever. bad rule, though. Focus on the strengths. Okay. Yeah. Right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, is instead of making it so. This is where it's always like the authenticity piece. Instead of being like, okay, I'm on my number three compliment. Mm-hmm. Right, that's stupid. You can't see right through that, you yeah, guys. you do it internally and you just, I want to focus on strengths. Notice what your kids are doing that's really cool. Yeah. And tell them. Like the, you know, I I just had an experience upstairs where my oldest daughter was really generous about something with my middle daughter. And I say to my oldest daughter, I so appreciate you doing that. And that was so cool that you helped her with that. Mm. It, there's no like, by the way, your room is really clean. I'm not making things up. Yeah. It, they'll give you plenty they'll of opportunities. Give you plenty of opportunities. If, and you're, just, if you just stay open to it. And say it. And like, say it. That's the thing is sometimes we're so shut down about those kind of things that we think if we give compliments or we put kindness out there that we're being too vulnerable or someone's going to take advantage of us. Right. And it's actually quite the opposite. Um, so this is interesting because the mom did some soul searching and realized she was feeling marginalized by her daughter. Interesting. Takes some self-awareness. We would argue about surface stuff. You're messing up my schedule again. But the anger was masking the hurt. Hmm. Right? Yeah. And then um, lastly... Uh, they blah, 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 blah. And they, now what, mother and daughter discuss feelings when they're making plans, 
Recently, Kelly told her mom that homecoming weekend might not be the best to visit her because she would feel guilty when she wanted to be with her friend. Oh, because she's at college. Yes. Um, So anyways, there's just some self-awareness by that mom. Well, and let me say this to balance out everything else is that it doesn't mean you don't share your feelings with your children. Like when when I'm having a discussion with my girls and maybe they're saying something that that kind of doesn't feel right or it feels a little too harsh or I will say – when you say that, that makes me feel yeah. as if, yeah. and I let them know. So it's not as if I'm just taking, getting slapped down and mm. I'm standing up and saying, oh, I'm not going to be offended. If someone's saying something offensive, then I say, that offends me because... Instead of directing it towards them, you say, this is how I'm being affected. This is how I'm being affected. When you say that, it may, like, for example, something that um, always gets brought up by parents is when they spend a whole day with their kids doing something fun, like taking them to jump zone or something mm. and taking them out to eat. And then on the way home, their kids will say something something like, we didn't do anything today yeah. or I didn't have fun today. Right. Or And the response is, instead of going after them and being defensive, is saying, I hear you, but I have to tell you. Today, I worked really hard Mm -hmm. to do these things, and I gave up things to make sure that I could take you these places. And I want you to understand that. And they may not, in that moment, embrace it and say, sorry, Mom. They may not, especially if they're really young. But at least you're verbalizing the truth, and then you are free of it. Do you see what I mean? I do. So instead of carrying it around and pushing it down, you say the truth versus yelling at your child and saying, you're ungrateful, you don't care about anything, because they can't hear that. They don't even know what you're talking about. Right. But if you go to the core of it, it makes me, it bumps me out that you're saying these things because I took the day off mm-hmm. to take you here. And it's a fine line between saying that and making them feel shameful or guilty. That, that's the trick. That's the tone and the energy is if instead of trying to win and make them feel bad, just tell them the truth right. and then say, so next time we get together, I want your input about what we're going to do because, you know, and you know, you guys, this is the thing, like. When I'm talking on a show like this, the way I'm sharing it sounds so matter-of-fact and so simple and so easy. In the moment, this takes a lot of work. You have to breathe. You have to maybe, like you know, Todd just said, not talk about it right that moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to talk to them about it before bed. Right. Maybe they, you heard them in the car. They said they were bored. It affected you, and you need some time to process before you discuss it. Right. There are parts of this that can't be... We can't give you a, a step-by-step guide. Doesn't guide work thing. that way. It, it, it's there's emotions involved. What we can do is encourage you to create some space. Yes. Whether that's and taking a deep breath before you say something you might regret, and then most good decisions come after you take a deep breath mm-hmm. instead of just reacting out of frustration or anger because we've all said many things that we wish we didn't say. So, and then to trust your gut. But the only way to get in tune with your gut or your heart is to have a little bit of space in between the stimulus and the reaction. Go ahead. And not only are you getting in touch with your gut, but you're pulling yourself away from that emotional, that heightened emotional expression. So you don't say those things. It doesn't mean you won't have the emotional feeling. It's not responding from that place. So that's the thing is people say, well, I can't help it. I get mad and I yell. How about I can't help it. I get mad, period. Mm -hmm. And don't yell. Mm -hmm. That's the space we're trying to create. Yeah. You can get mad all you want. You can get mad all you want, but do your best to use a tool 
to not respond from that place. You are a human being. Getting mad is very normal. People who say, I can't do this, I get mad, I give up, so do I. Hmm. So does Todd. I get sad. I get, you know, all these things. But what the work is, what the practice is, is figure out tools to not come at your kids right. from that place or your spouse or your coworkers or your friends. Um, our second partner, sweetie, is uh-huh. Dr. John Kelly. He does comprehensive dentistry on the northwest side of Chicago. His website is chicagodentistonline.com. Uh, he, he specializes with children specific to the age when they start getting their teeth straightened, but he takes kind of a different tactic at it where he's focused on their airway and their facial development. So can't say enough good things about Dr. John, 773-631-6844. You ready for the inspirational story of the day, sweetie? Sure. There was a man in British Columbia, and he was inspired because this man, who's unidentified, who had little to his name, homeless, found a suitcase worth a suitcase with two thousand dollars cash in it on a street. What do you think he did with it? Well, because you're telling the story, I think he turned it into the police. Turned over the cash to the police, believing it was the right thing to do. So the story kind of spread through. British Columbia, and some guy named Mike Kelly uh, heard about the story, and he began fundraising to help this man uh, with the don- and the donation started flooding in. Five thousand dollars he raised, including two hundred and fifty five dollars donated by kids who opened up a lemonade stand. Oh, so far so good, right? Cute. But the problem is, the dude is homeless, so they can't find him. Oh. so they finally found him. It's not easy tracking down a person of no fixed address and no phone, but I kept trying, said Officer Alex, whatever. I was touched by the story. After hours of searching on and off the clock, the officer finally found him on Monday and told him of the money and that it was his if he wanted wanted it. And guess what he did? He donated He didn't it. want it. Instead of asking how to collect it, he asked, how do I donate it to a local homeless shelter? Oh, what a lovely man. Um, so... The officer said, you know, think over this decision because you might regret it tomorrow. So when he visited the police branch the next day, his choice was the same. In a handwritten letter, he described his intentions for the money, though he also made one small additional request. He asked for a job. And Uh, Kelly said he plans to do everything I can to help him find a job that fits his personal situation. I love that story. It's crazy, right? Well, that is so great because... That's the perf- you know, that's the thing is when we look at people, we live outside of the city, so we're in Chicago a lot, and there's a lot of people who live under viaducts and a lot of homeless mm-hmm. people. And we look at them and we think, oh, or not we, but people tend to think, oh, they want handouts yep. or they're lazy or whatever. Not this guy. The, well, not this guy. And I don't think the majority do, Todd. I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't know, but I, bl- I bet you there's a lot more people that are more like this guy than the the ones who are just whatever, quote-unquote greedy or whatever. They have stories. There's reasons that they are where they are, and some of it is based on their own poor choices, and Mm -hmm. some of it is based on life circumstance. And I think if you were really to give them an opportunity, not and again, not all of them, some of them, but some of them also, like, do you remember that, I don't know if it was a documentary or it was something where this guy gave this homeless man money, Mm -hmm. and maybe it was on Oprah. It was some, like, experiment, social experiment, gave this guy money and got him all set up and got him a job. And the guy really just wanted to live on the street. Yeah. And he kind of yeah. didn't use the money appropriately and yep. lost it all in two weeks. And mm-hmm. 
And there are some people, and when I say that, I don't mean he, he just didn't have the tools yeah. to. Sometimes we give people money, we throw money at things. Yeah, fix the problem. Fix the problem when really what they need help with is, is their social right. skills. Right, the money is the surfacey thing. Skills. This guy didn't want money. He wanted a freaking he wanted a job. job. Yeah. What's money going to do? I know. What, you know, I don't know. Well, remember that story in my book, you know, that man? Yes. And what was the name of that chapter? Do you uh, remember? Touching Shoulders. Which book? I think it, it's in my first book, and I think it's in my second book because it was so good. Oh, the third one because you did it. You, yeah, you put a few of them in. There. But the thing about my touching shoulders story was that when I met this homeless man, and I, I tend to have this experience where people who need help will approach me, and uh, sometimes you know, it, anyway, he approached me. He asked me for money, and I was giving him money. And I think I probably, I was waiting for Todd at the corner and I think I was in a hurry. So I probably had a look on my face like I was annoyed. And he grabbed my hand and uh, said, you know, I don't want to ask you for money or, you know, I don't want to do this. Right. And I said, and it totally woke me up where I was like, of course you don't want to do this. Who wants to ask people for money? Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah. But that's very, and if you are fine with it, then something has been weakened in you where you don't feel like you're worthy anymore right? Yep. and you feel desperate because the natural instinct in us is responsibility and taking care of ourselves and having a sense of pride. And, mm-hmm. and, and when he said that to me, I woke up and I was like, of course you don't want to ask. And you know what? And he said, I think he said something to the effect of, I'm going to, when I get money, I'm going to give it to somebody and I'm going to honor you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just do that. Yeah. Just do that. And, and it was a, he was a good teacher for me. Yeah. Um, I want to give you a iTunes review or 200, sweetie. It's kind of a big deal. <gasps> 200. Somebody named Darby gave us a five-star review and said, amazing guidance, sweetie. So this okay. is our 200th review, at least in the U.S. Actually, we have more because they don't show up if you're from Canada or anywhere else in the world. But anyways, I love, love, love Zen Parenting Radio. I tell everyone about it. I am a mom of a two-and-a-half-year-old boy with a baby girl on the way. In Los Angeles, and I really love the non-cynical tone of this podcast. It's funny. Sometimes people say I'm cynical, don't they? Not cynical, but I'm a smart aleck. Because you are. Because I am. (laughs) Another popular parenting podcast that a few people recommended to me was way too snarky and cynical. Like the hosts were inconvenienced by being parents and being sarcastic about how annoying things are. I love the validation that raising kids is one of the most important things I can do right now with my time. Even though I'm a screenwriter and a yoga and meditation instructor, thank you for being such a strong voice of positivity and helping to bring a higher awareness to communication with kids. Oh, thank you, Darby. Thank you. I'm going to give you a clap for that. So 200 reviews down, sweetie. Yay. 200 to go. 200 to go. Keep Actually, no, up. we'll Keep celebrate this and then we'll work on 200 tomorrow. We'll stay in the now. We'll stay in the now. And speaking of... Uh, Kickstarter. And speaking of staying in the now, I have to say, I may have said this on the last show, but when Kickstarter ended and we were funded and we surpassed our goal and it was just this amazing thing and we were getting emails from people saying congratulations and Todd and I were in such a hurry to move on to the next thing. We like had a conference call. We were working on the website. I was trying to get everybody's fun, you know, all their rewards out. And I just finally was like, Dude, I am going to just rest on this yeah. for a couple days. Yeah. Like, what's the hurry? Mm-hmm. I mean, if the conference was in two weeks, that'd be one thing. We would have it's a in, choice. It's in nine months. Conference with people we love, sweetie. It's a conference with people we love. And and it doesn't mean we're going to get lazy. It's just we, I had to embrace what just happened. Yeah. And I was moving past it so quickly in the name of what? Uh, 
in the name of not responsibility, but progression and making sure that we were on efficiency, top of efficiency and productivity. productivity. Yeah. And I just was like, no, I'm going to enjoy this. And so, um, so we are, so we're still doing a little bit. I did some things today, but I'm just slowing down. So this is the last list of Kickstarter because Kickstarter is now complete. So this is the last bunch of people that were so gracious in supporting us. So we're reading the last group of people, like Todd said, and, um, thank you to everybody who jumped in yes, here. Thank you. Um, thank you. So... I'm going I'm just making a little note for myself here because okay so my friend Diane Lands Couts and Diane I hope I said uh, uh Melinda's last name correctly because Sorry if we didn't I I actually even looked up the pronunciation cuz I wanted to say it correctly cuz you're my friend um and then the next one Jennifer R The Arster The next one is Edith Smith The Eads <laughs> The next one is Kimberly Mathis the mather. Our next backer is Lizette. Liz. The next backer is Carolyn Anderson. And Carolyn, your hyphenated name got cut off for some reason from Kickstarter. But so Carolyn, thank you. Our next backer is actually one of our um, sponsors. And it's five Junes. And I just have to take a second real quick okay. and say that this sponsor is so cool. She is creating... Um, tween clothing for nine to 15 year olds and it's fantastic clothing, cute, you know, appropriate, all that great stuff, stuff kids will love. It's sustainable. Um, she's, it's being made in Chicago for the people who are getting paid. They're getting paid at a fair price for making it. It's like good energy all around it. And I was so excited to talk to her about her business. And I'm so pleased that, and, and not only that, Todd, she's local. She's um, from com. Five Junes is a clothing brand that celebrates tween girls around the ages of 9 to 13. We believe these five years are an awesome time in a girl's life. Girls this age are fun, optimistic, and care deeply about their friends and family. We believe these five years should be full of sunshine, laughter, and ease, a lot like the month of June. That's kind of cool. Five Junes. And here's now I thing. get it. Do you get it? I didn't get it before. And she, it doesn't even, she's just launching this business. So it, people can go to the website, but it's starting up this fall. Oh, was I not supposed to say that? No, you can. Okay. I mean, why not put some yeah. buzz out there? Yeah. Um, but what's we'll be talking. Buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's, what's the buzz? buzz? Tell me what's, what's happening? happening. We will talk more about five Junes in the fall yes. when she gets going. So, okay. Next person is Kristen Harcourt. The heart. The next person is Amy Rogers, who's been on our show. Why are you doing that? I don't know. I just wanted to do that one. <laughs> that doesn't have no connection to this whatsoever. But anyway, number 85 uh, backer is Alicia Alfano, our friend. Number 86 is Karen Grogan. The Grogues. Our friend. Um, number 87 is Lynn Treat. Let it go. Let it go. Why? Sorry. Why? I don't know. I get sick of the claps. Oh, okay. Number 88 is Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Number 89 is Carrie Dillon. <laughs> Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> Number 90 is Lisa Kennewell. Ooh, Lisa. That, that sounds ominous. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and then our last backer, number 91, is Evelyn Toreja, which is she's in my women's circle. So that's just a wonderful... Group 91 people. I'm completely operational and all my circuits are functioning perfectly. 
That's right. 91 backers. Yay. The, these people are our team yep. and our partners and the people who will hear things first, our VIPs, blah, blah, blah. And we're just thankful. And that's the end of Kickstarter. I don't think we'll accept in when we're speaking about history. Yeah. I don't think we'll talk about Kickstarter anymore. 2016. 20. What about 2016? We're going to do it again next year, aren't we? Oh, are we going to do another Kickstarter? Sure. Maybe. But let's just focus on today. Yeah. Um, what about Jeremy Kraft? He's a bald-headed beauty, and he does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Avidco.not, 630-9... You got shot. You got shot. 630-956-1800, avidco.net. And he's a, he did our carpet, too. Yeah, he did. Thank you, Jeremy. We got water in our basement. A bald-headed beauty. It rains a lot in Chicago lately. What's going on? Especially in Elmhurst. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing our show. Thank you for telling a friend about us on the podcast. Thank you for buying one of Kathy's books. You just, you just said, thanks for telling a friend about us on the podcast. That's exactly right. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, no, uh, I think you did a wonderful job. Oh, oh, thanks, sweetie. Um, I watched this show, yeah, um, with my girlfriends this week. I went to the Cubs game on Thursday. My friend Andrea was in town, and we were hanging at uh, my friend Jessica's, and we were just tired from the day. So, we were watching this show on E called Botched. <laughs> do, do you even know what it means? You told me about it. Oh, I did. It's about people who get plastic surgery, and then they go to these two doctors, and they like. They get bad plastic surgery, and then they go to these two doctors and they fix it. And I'm telling you, like, that is something that I would never normally turn on. And it was like, it was like, what is it called when you can't look away? A car accident? It's, we just sat there and we were like, what? Yeah. It was so, and I, I don't think I will watch it again because I got so sucked in. Yeah. The two doctors, their wives are real housewives, if that gives you any indication of the show. Now, when you say they're real, you mean they're on that show? So, yeah, the two doctors who are on Botched, their wives, or maybe their Mm ex-wives, are real housewives somewhere. Of whatever. Whatever. There's so many real housewives. I just mentioned that because I don't know if you guys watch Botched. And if you do, you're probably laughing right now because you know what I mean. But if you don't, it's it's kind of one of those... It's kind of like Dance Moms. I don't know anything you're talking about right now. Well, people who are listening do. I watched two or three episodes of Dance Moms, and I could not believe that this was a show. I I think there's so much garbage there is. on TV. Like, I'm so glad. That I literally, I was trying to, I don't, all my fun shows are now gone, like Parenthood and stuff like that. So now I just watch Daily Show and that's it. Well, same here. But every once in a while, that's what I mean is when you're kind of doing that whole thing. like it's fun to watch garbage. You you watch garbage and you go, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't believe Dance Moms is a show. I can't believe that someone really treats children like that and that there isn't like a huge uproar. I mean, I'm fascinated. Yeah. I'm. It's like a – it's – I don't know. But anyway. Sweetie, what about um, um, Words of Wisdom? Um, don't watch botched. That's very good, actually. Uh, and no, uh, what did we talk about today? We talked about being teenage daughters, self-aware when we're talking with our children and being thoughtful about having space between our emotional experience and what we say to them. Because what's most important when it comes to our teenage daughters, our young children, our spouse, is that connection and that relationship. So don't blow it by saying things that you don't mean. Just be cool, man. That too. Just be cool. All right. See you guys on Friday. Have a good week.